0: Good evening. Good evening. Thank you all for being here. I've been preaching for over 20 years um, as of January 24th this year, and I have not felt as um, troubled about. A message as I have with this one and I've, I've really been trying to figure waiting on God to speak and he has not said anything yet and so maybe he'll say it while I'm preaching <laughs> but I think a part of the wrestle for me has been that this is a text that is teaching against the antichrist and so the Antichrist is not going to make it easy for me to deliver the word. And so I greet you with Jesus's joy as we approach this Mother Day, Mother's Day week. I'd like to share this message with some who have given birth and others who have simply given love. The text read in our hearing reminds us that the command is to walk in love. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's really a simple concept, but sometimes people can pluck your last good nerve, and it's hard to walk in love sometimes. And maybe it's hard to walk in like, but we always walk in love. And so this evening, I want to offer this title, Let Us Walk in Truth and Love. Pray with me. Father, it's in the sweet name of Jesus that we offer this message God, praying that as we enter into this holiday of Mother's Day, that we will understand that it is your desire that we teach our children and that we be taught as children of yours to walk in love. Bless our time together, and I will be mighty careful to give your name the praise. It's in the matchless name of Jesus that we give you thanks. Amen. There's been a great debate about this text because we don't know if it was an actual woman or just a woman a, the church as a woman with the congregants being her children. But this evening I'm going to leave it to your interpretation. I'm going to let you decide if this text is about you as a congregant or a child of God or if as a mother or a father who has had to step in as a mother that you can resonate with this story. The message is the same regardless to which way you look at it. The command is that we are to walk in love. While we know that a mother's love is critical in the teaching and developing of her children, we also know that as the children of God, it is crucial that we demonstrate love because we might be the only Jesus that some people see. We also know that when we pull the layers back, we know that all mothers have not or do not invest in their cheer- children for a myriad of reasons. I'm reminded by a prayer, about a prayer by an unknown author that says something like this If I live in a house of spotless beauty with everything in its place but have not love, I'm a housekeeper, not a homemaker. If I have time for waxing and polishing and decorative achievements but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on a newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk. Love picks up the child before it picks up the toys. Love is present through trials. Love reprimands, love reproves, and love is responsive. Love crawls with the baby, walks with the toddler, runs with the child, then stands aside to let the youth walk into adulthood. Love is the key that opens salvation's message to a child's heart. Before I became a mother, I took glory in my house perfection. Now I glory in God's perfection of my child. As a mother, there is, much t- there, is, there is much I must teach my child, but the greatest of these is love. Sure, it's a play on 1 Corinthians 13, but it's also a reminder of our scripture for this evening that we are to walk in love, regardless to whether our children are doing something that we don't agree with, regardless to how we feel about it, We're to teach them love so that they can be prosperous, promising, productive citizens of society. If we don't show them how to love, who's going to teach them? Because the streets will teach them something very different. I could teach a child the law of relativity, but if I don't teach them how to relate to people they encounter, if I only focus on them knowing the law of relativity, And in teaching them that it's a theory formulated by Albert Einstein without also adding to that intellect the absolute concept of love, I have failed them. As we look at verses 2 and 3 of our text, we see that John wrote this brief letter, this brief personal letter as an introduction and to describe the woman as one who is known and loved for her practice of teaching the truth through the word of God. Note when John wrote this text, he was teaching against the false teachers who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Note that we always walk in love and truth hand in hand together. We as believers cannot have real fellowship and love if we're not honest with each other. I've had a few conversations around here myself where I had to speak truth in love didn't feel so good for me having to have the conversation and I'm sure it didn't feel good on the other end either but I am less than your friend or your co-pastor if I let things perpetuate that I don't speak about in truth with love. That's the important piece that we make sure that we add a dose of love to what we're saying because what we want to do is to be able to walk together so that we can get God's business done in this place that we call Richmond Hill. And sometimes Jack Nicholson told us, you can't handle the truth. Sometimes the truth doesn't feel good, but it's for our good. The late Ruth Dennis, a licensed evangelist in the New York AME Conference, wrote a sermon in 1927 entitled, What Are We Going to Do with the Children?, Dennis criticized parents who failed to provide spiritual leadership and instruction for their children. She declared to prov- that it was critical that we provide spiritual leadership because in the 1920s, children were being exposed to numerous dangerous influence. Now, can you imagine what Ruth Dennis would be saying about the situation that we're living in right now in 2020? That was 1920. And she was talking about the dangers. Can you imagine what she would be thinking about the multiple media outlets that allow our kids to exercise all kinds of risky behavior because we don't have parents who are teaching them the truth and not doing it in love? You know, it's one thing to teach the truth, but if you're beating somebody over the head, they're less likely to hear it. Dennis had a particular message for parents who were raising African American children to ensure that they were raised properly. She suggested that because of a relationship with Christ was the only way for people to prosper, black folks had a uniquely heavy burden of economic and social oppression, and so they most urgently needed to live a life that was rooted in Christ. She stated in 1927, these were her words, not mine, the Negro especially can little afford to be careless or reluctant in the training of children in divine things. She pressed this further by saying God is the only hope for our race and our nation. It baffles me that almost 100 years later we are still having the same conversation and that black folks are still having to have the talk. With their children because there's so much hate in the world. But that's another message for another day. But it's not just black folk. An article by Leon Huska in the December 7th edition of Sojourner states that through comprehensive studies of the impact of COVID 19 on the racial disparities among pregnant women are not yet available, but the initial research from CDC suggests that pregnant women who are Hispanic and Black might be disproportionately affected by COVID infection during pregnancy. The article stated that health providers have expressed concern about the risk of increased mood disorders during pregnancy in one hospital. One woman who appeared to be Native American was singled out for COVID-19 tested and separated from their newborns while they were awaiting results. They're doing tests on mothers separating them from their children at birth because they are using them, these people of color for research. And we expect the children to be able to thrive when this kind of research is done on them as soon as they come out of the womb. Most mamas get the opportunity to hold their babies when they are born. These women were separated what is the dysfunctional behaviors that are being set up at birth for these people of colors? These emotional burdens will unfold in our lives much later than the years that we're in right now. But making a mother, ta- mothering task heavier because now I've got to reconnect with my child that has been separated because they're being used for research. Being a mother is not easy for anyone. It doesn't come with a set of rules, regardless of our race or ethnicity. And while that's true, we must see the ways that society is set, set up to undermine brown mother's abilities while the dominant culture makes character judgments. I know it's a tight word, but it's a right one. These dynamics came to life in Celeste NG's novel, Little Fires Everywhere. Elena, a white woman raised in a picture-perfect suburban community, believes she would never have gotten herself in the position of B.B. Chow, a Chinese immigrant and single mother who leaves her baby at a fire station when she is unable to feed her. When Chow later seeks to regain custody of her children, a white male judge deems Chow to be an unfit mother. Think about this. If Mary had lived in our time, her mothering credentials would also surely be questioned. She gets pregnant before marrying Joseph and says it was the Holy Spirit. You know if she lived right now, we'd have her committed. She's not well connected and can't get into an, a legitimate inn in Bethlehem. Mary doesn't appear at all responsible already for motherhood and yet she birthed the savior of the world. Husker states, listening to child keening over the loss of her child in Hulu's adaptation of Angie's novel, she says, I hear the cries of so many other displaced brown mothers who, whose ability to do what's in their bones to do is questioned. questioned, whose visceral connection to their own children has been rendered tenuous under the imperial colonial gaze. There's a slave woman whose child was a commodity to be sold, whose worth was measured in terms of potential income for the slaveholder. The Native American woman whose children were seen as blank slates for evangelism and Americanization shipped to boarding schools. The undocumented woman who cleaned the toilets for the men who decide whether they can stay in the same country with their children or not. It's not always white men, of course. White women, Latino men, Asian women, anyone who sees through the lens of the imperial gaze can assess human worth according to what benefits the empire. It's a heavy word. It's a wrestle, because what we are looking at is how we are impacting children's lives for the rest of their lives. And it's all done for research. So mothers, tonight, we want to recognize that no matter the circumstances, these mothers had to walk in love in order to keep their sanity. These mothers had to walk in love and truth and realize that their children's relationship with Christ must be a priority these mothers had to take notice that love is critical to their development and often the thing that keeps them alive when they're faced with the many ills we encounter in society. And tonight, I'm grateful for the encouragement found in Second John, where he shouted out the work of some mothers who had taught their children and was pleased that they were walking in truth. He said, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth, just as the Father commanded us. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, I want to suggest to you that you remember this. We must walk in truth, we must walk in obedience, and we must walk in love. When we stop to think about the aforementioned demographics of women who have been many times separated from their children because of the brokenness of others, we are encouraged to teach truth and to love any children that we get the opportunity to love on those who are young and those who are not so young those who are young at heart john writes i'm not writing you a new command but one we have had from the beginning i ask that we love one another and this love that we walk in obedience to his commands as you have heard from the beginning His command is that you walk in love. I want to emphasize that we aren't teaching our children to be treated like doormats or to accept bad behavior from people just because we're children of God, but rather we speak truth to power and love, knowing that when we really turn our trials and troubles over to God, God will take care of us. Notice how many times John added the word walk to his text. He said to walk in truth. Walking in truth is not something we study. It's a motivating force in our lives. It's not enough to just know the truth, we must show it through our actions wherever we are. John rejoiced because the certain lady's children were walking in truth. This was the equivalency of walking in the light that he talked about in 1 John. John encouraged us to walk in truth, but then he encouraged us to walk in obedience. The obedience to the commands that the Lord had given. Earlier in the New Testament, the Lord taught us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Christian obedience is simply obeying the word of God because you love him. Christian love is not an emotion that we have to work up. We We hope when children love their parents, they obey them. I'm sure any mothers in this room or on the airwaves listening to me feel the same way. When we teach love for God, love for our neighbor, and love for ourselves, we do so with the truth of the word as our foundation. And finally, John said, walk in, in truth, walk in obedience, and then he said, walk in love. When we walk in children, while we, as the children of God, make different interpretation of certain passages of the word, I think we all agree on this one thing, that loving one another is the key. Don't be found guilty of having more love for the Bible than you do for God's people. Loving the truth and loving your obedience to God will cause you to walk boldly in the things of God as you love your sister and your brother those things cannot be separated. Walk in love, it's not a new thing, but it's something we all need. I close with this prayer written by Father Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr said, God, Lord of all creation, lover of life and everything, please help us to teach our children to love in our very small way what you love infinitely and everywhere. We thank you, God, that we can offer this, just this one prayer, and that will be more than enough because, re- re- in reality, everything and everyone is connected. Nothing and no one stands alone. Even when we feel like we can't see you or reach you, you're still there. To pray for one part is really to pray for the whole, and so we do tonight. Help us to, to, today to stand for love, for healing for the good, for the truth, for diverse unity of the body of Christ in all creation, because we know this is what you desire. As Jesus prayed that all may be one, we offer our prayer together with all the holy names of God. We offer our prayer together with Christ and the Holy Spirit, our Lord. Amen.